Hello and welcome to this kind of mini podcast, if you will. So this is for the fantastic team at HBI. This is Mark Burke from Mindset, and I have a special guest with me tonight. And uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to offer you some words, some tactics, some ideas, some, some deep conversation around how you do big things in education. And my, my guest tonight is somebody who I have spent... Uh, years, I, I, I hate to even say maybe how many uh, years working to do big things in education. And we know uh, how difficult it can be, but we also know how incredibly rewarding it is when uh, we as educational teams get it right. And so I'm really excited tonight, HBI team. Uh, I hope that you are somewhere where you can listen, take notes. If you're not, if you're just in your car, or maybe you're on the treadmill, listen, go back, listen again. And uh, take your time to think about, uh, think deeply about what we're talking about tonight. So I know you've been through systems thinking training. You've heard about the Build You program. And just to add some context to this, keep in mind that, you know, the big thing that you are trying to do is solve for the chaos that's happening right now in the building trades industry. And we know there are many, many reasons why it's in chaos. And we don't need to talk about those things now. But the big thing that we're trying to do is recognize how important important the entrepreneurial spirit is in this segment of education. And so with that, I am thrilled to introduce my friend, colleague, expert in education, uh, Corey Kotner. And Corey, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here tonight to, uh, to be talking about some things that are really, really, I think, near and dear to both of us. So Corey, welcome. Thank you, Mark. I'm uh, super excited to be here and super excited to talk about one of my favorite things, uh, not only education, but just doing big things. And um, ironically, you said we're, you know, how to do it right. I'm not sure that there is a right way, but we're going to try to walk <laughs> walk us through um, getting it as right as we possibly can. And uh, I'm super excited to be here. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. And th- th- thank you. You know, so, you know, so th- you've corrected me once now. <laughs> <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> oh, I better keep track of these. But uh, no, it's good. And, you know, Corey and I have always done that. When you do deep thinking, have a thought partner and have somebody who's very uh, cognizant of your language um, with each other and, and hold us accountable for our language. I think we'll be talking a little bit about some of those things and holding each other accountable as people doing big things is really, really important. And, and, uh, and so anyway, so um, let's, uh, let's hear about Corey Cotner a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it, I said a minute or two just to kind of let the audience know, the HBI folks know uh, a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, um, I have been an educator for longer than I'd like to admit, uh, but I uh, this is my 28th year in education. I started as a classroom teacher at the elementary level, um, was in the classroom for 10 years, left the classroom to work for an educational service agency where I served for 13 years um, as a couple, in a couple different roles, one as a professional development coordinator and then as the division chief for the, the Division of Educational Planning. I was there for 13 years and then spent a very interesting uh, 18 months working for the Pennsylvania Department of Education as an independent contractor when Pennsylvania was writing their response to the federal Every Student Succeeds Act. And um, 
After that 18 months, I was able to trade my 90-minute commute to Harrisburg for a three-minute commute where I, I now serve as a director of curriculum and instruction at the East Lake Homing School District in Hughesville, Pennsylvania. Good, good trade-off, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and Corey and I worked uh, – uh, actually worked together in our early days of teaching but didn't, didn't really know each other and, and uh, didn't really even talk to each other. Um, until later on. And so it's, it's, it's been a joy to, to work on some really big projects that we won't dive into here. But uh, so let's get right to the heart of the matter. Um, one of the reasons why I, I uh, wanted to have this conversation with you, Corey, is in your experience, there there are some tactics, right? I think it's it, when we when we do big things and we talk about you know, we'll dive into this a little bit more, like the this idea of creating big things, and we look for ways to do big things. Um, you said to me early on in this conversation about, hey, what what would you like to present to HBI? And you're like, you know, I think there's some of these tactics. And you said to me, you know what, I, I kind of have these three tactics that I want to share. So I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. Where where do you want to start? Which tactic makes the most sense to to dive into? Well, I I think um, you know I I kind of wrestled a little bit because they. They're kind of my three go-to tactics for sure. Mm. And I wrestled a little bit about the order, um, but they're so um, – rely- like it's they're so dependent on one another that it doesn't really matter because if you're if you're not doing one, the other two are going to falter. So yeah, and let, let's let's pause there a minute because I think that that you know when we talk about understanding complexity and doing big things, right? Which those two things go hand in hand. We often get into these th- uh, thoughts that, well, like uh, here's a checklist, right? Right? Okay. Well, right. You know, like here's the here's the things I'm going to do. Um, and, and the reality is, is like it's not about checklist. It's not not about checking things off of a list. It's about creating a system. And and it's okay, right? It's okay, that, right? And the system almost has to become a daily ritual. Yeah. Like, yeah it just it. it has to be. Like, what do you do every morning? Like, what are the first three things that you do every morning when you come to work, when you come to your office, or when you go, you know, wherever you report? What are the things that you do every day to ensure that, one, it's going to be a good day, two, you're accomplishing what you want to accomplish, and then three, that you're making a difference to those around you, to your colleagues, your subordinates, all, all those people that matter in your organization. Yeah, yeah, great. All right, so I yeah, wanted to dive into that at least before we jump right into the, the into the tactic. So uh, I'll turn it over to you again. Okay, <laughs> well, I think I'm going to start with core beliefs because ah. tactic number one, the way I've, I've kind of mapped these out for our conversation is uh, I started with core beliefs because – we really have to understand our why. Like, why Why do we do what we do? Why do we exist? Why do we get up and go to work every morning? Why, do we decide, why did we decide that this was the path that we were going to take? And I believe if, if we don't, as an organization, kind of map out what our core beliefs are, then it doesn't matter what we say our vision is. It doesn't matter what we want our end product to be. If we don't have a purpose behind those things, it kind of falters. So the three things that I kind of think about around core beliefs is, is certainly organizations and, and, and I know, um, Mark, in our conversations that you said HBI has, has worked on developing their vision statement and, and what they want their work to be every day. But below that or, or underneath that or the undertone of all that really has to be the core beliefs. So have 
as an organization, you almost have to have these conversations about why do we exist and and why do we do what we do every day? And that has to be part of a common language um, to help you understand the vision and developing a common language around not only your vision and the work that you do every day, but really why you're doing it, those core beliefs. It almost ends up being your organizational story, like the story that you have to tell in order to recruit teachers or the story that you have to tell to recruit students to be part of this program is really the why, uh, why we do what we do. So in developing a common language, when we do that, we start to, and, and when we continue to tell the story over and over again, like this is why HPI exists, and this is why we do what we do, and this is the impact that we make, we start to develop this shared mindset across layers and across, from a broad sense too, like we start to develop the shared mindset that everybody understands why we do what we do and why we exist. Therefore, every decision that we make, every action that we do, everything that we do every single day kind of evolve around this shared mindset and these core beliefs. And I, I heard recently in a, in a podcast that and it happened to be Andy Stanley, who does a lot of leadership work, yeah. but also is is a pastor. Um, and so he says, if if you don't have this shared mindset, if there's mist in the pulpit, there's fog in the pews. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know if these the, the important part of of this from my perspective, and when you want to do big things in organizations or big things in education, particularly in education, I think if if the if those conversations are only happening at your leadership level, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter. It's kind of dead on the vine at that point because that has to trickle down to the work not only that your leadership team does every single day, but the work that your teachers do every day yeah. and then the work that your students do every day. And then when they leave, those students leave your program, it's what they're going to do to carry out their careers. Yeah. And, and- – a little little pause here because there's a lot to unpack there. And I also want to say that, you know, while we may have this conversation around organizational vision and the, the really, really big things, I think what core beliefs, if I'm hearing you correctly, Corey, I think what core beliefs can also do for us is, you know, like if, you, if you're attempting to do something big within an organization, and let's say it's, it's not time to revisit the vision, right? Maybe, right. maybe it's a big project. Right. Um, or maybe it's a, you know, a, something really, really innovative or something new. It, it seems to me like at the core beliefs level, that's where you can start to say, OK, we still have our vision. The vision, our vision is solid. Like and it's in these this new thing we want to do. Let's put that at the core belief level. Like we believe that X. Absolutely. And right. I and I can give you a, a really good example. We just in July, um, our district. Uh, we got a new superintendent. We didn't change. We decided not to change our vision statement mm-hmm. um, because we, we felt like it was working, uh, and we also felt like we hadn't really attained it yet. Right, right. Um, but we did have these conversations around. So, what does that mean to us? Like, why do we care about engaging students? Why do we care about inspiring students? And and that those were some of the phrases in the vision statement. And we came up with some things that we as an admin team, believed were important. 
For example, um, community over consequences, wellness over accountability, meaning that it's more important. We, we want to instill this idea that we care more about people than the things. We care more about people and their mental health and their wellness than we do about the responsibilities. Um, not that those things aren't important, but that was one of the things that we believed. So we had those conversations all summer long amongst our leadership team. And then we started to share those with staff. We started to share them kind of get to get some feedback because we've we've massaged those statements. And that was just one example of the of the core beliefs that we came up with. But the other thing that we have started to do now is we've asked all of our principals to start with those five statements every time they have a faculty meeting. Mm-hmm. We've asked our teachers and our, um, for instance, our special ed teachers that every time they have an IEP meeting with, with parents that they talk about those five core beliefs first. Um, that when we meet with the custodial staff about preparing for an event, that we start that conversation, we start that planning meeting with our core belief statements so that every decision we make, you know, I've said this before, but every decision we make goes back to those five core belief statements. And if we can't defend our actions or our decision using those five statements, then we've got to rethink what we're doing. Yeah. And and I think about from the context of HBI and and the project that we're working on, the entrepreneurship, we talked about the mental model where, you know, the old mental model that, um, you know, we, and I'm saying we, like the HBI group and us, and when we started doing this project was that, you know, entrepreneurism was something that was um, delivered to uh, the students who self-selected, right? The people who signed up for the course. And you and I have worked in entrepreneurism for a long time, so we know it's a it's a um, it, it's an outcome of something else that we'll talk here in a little bit about. But I, I think about how many times what you just said is important. Like you know, uh, the tactic of saying every time we have a meeting, we're going to present that core belief, mm-hmm. and so. We think about HBI really thinking about entrepreneurism and how important entrepreneurism is that it's that it's going to solve some of these really complex problems. We think this that's a chance then of I'm hearing you say like take time like build build this tactic up like put the language around this big thing that we're doing into things that uh, the business uh, I'm sorry uh, meeting leaders uh, anybody who sees anybody who's working on a project can say and say in a group and say so that everybody is like oh that's right. Right. That's that's what we're working on. Right. That's what we believe. Right. So. So. And you said like you had to hone these statements. They aren't just like bestowed upon. Right. Right. And and we're still there's a couple that we're not we, we believe in the in the statement and the, the meaning behind the statement. We're not quite sure that the words are right. So it's something that we continue to tweak and, and work with. The other thing that I that I would say is one of the conversations that we had is that as important as the common language is, as important as the shared mental model is around those core belief statements, when they start to become more of a, a ritual compliance act mm-hmm. and people aren't really thinking through those, then it might be time to revisit those statements yeah. or to revisit the vision statement. Like is, is it time to, that we, we change our vision statement or is it just time that we go back to the drawing board and determine if this is really still our why. Yeah. 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 Love that. Yep. Great. Um, so 
Um, what I'm what I'm hearing say hearing us say is that you know you know what is your why in your experience in working in education entities like that can happen from anywhere from your vision to um, it involves your core beliefs. It talks. You can integrate projects or big things that you want to do. It creates that alignment. You're creating that shared language, but also keeping in mind that to build that shared language is not just somebody barking that language down, right? right? It's not right. somebody just saying, hey, this is what I want you to say when you go into a meeting, right? Or this is what we're all going to say, and I want you all to say it and like it and pretend, right? It's about it's a about co-building that language and understanding, um, uh, granted, driven by some leadership thought, right? And so I think in our case, you know, with HBI, like there's been some leadership thought into this idea that um, it, it's proven that entrepreneurial spirit is, is, um, is it produces innovation. It creates a whole bunch of other things. Again, we won't get into that because we're talking on the tactic of like how can we now take this and really – you know, have everybody, uh, you know, uh, um, kind of be inculcated, right? And 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 um, we call we, there's a phrase you and I use is called fractalness, right? Right. Just make this fractal, right? And so these tactics, I think, are are really important. So the tactic core beliefs, and even within core beliefs, there's the tactic of, you know, building that common language, the way that you all say this in the beginning of meetings or sessions or in your planning or in your documentation. So th- those are great tactics around core beliefs. Right. And actually, the only other thing that I would add would be that there's a a little bit of a distinction to be made between the core beliefs within your organization and the story that you tell outside of your organization. Mm -hmm. Your story should reflect those core beliefs and should reflect your vision, but you might not necessarily talk to a potential home builder about your core beliefs, but it should be part of the story. Mm. that you tell about why you're doing what you're doing, why you love what you do, and why you're the best person for them to select to to be their their home contractor. Yeah, I mean I think that it's it's um in essence it's too much to talk about. Right. You know, it, right. at that level, right? It's like well, please sit down and let's have a conversation about <laughs> our 18 core beliefs right. and uh, we'll make sure that we relate each to the each of those to each topic that you're going to have and this is what we're going to cut right because eventually it's like you know, and I think what you're – that was a really good way of saying that you're – you know, that story – and again, I kind of feel like I'm repeating you. But the story that you uh, talk to, in our case, say the young home builders, right, you, you may not mention entrepreneurism. But you mentioned being uh, maybe solutions driven or maybe you uh, talk about being a thinker or maybe you talk about we really want you to uh, you know, learn the trades. But we also know that um, you, know, you don't build a wall uh, just to build a wall. Right. right, you build a, you build, you're actually building homes, and uh, and I, I don't want to steal the thunder. So there's more to what you're doing than building, right? It's not about just the raw skills. It's like you're creating. You're, I know it sounds maybe a little corny and maybe an overused, but like you know, you're you're building places of safety for people. You're building places where dreams come true. Right. Right. And you know, again, maybe that's a, a little bit too markety, but. Um, you know, I, I think you start getting into all your core beliefs and all those things, right? You're you're really getting into like th- that's muddying the water to the ex- external folks. Not that you wouldn't have those individual conversations maybe later, but you know, um, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's uh, not not uh, mixing those two things up. I think it's good. Anyway, 
Perfect. You ready for tactic two? I think we are. Okay, fantastic. So tactic two really ties in a little bit, but this is now about, so if you think about tactic one and establishing your core beliefs and and establishing some common language and a shared mental model, tactic two really is now about how do you infiltrate those that common language that shared mindset and create vision car- people who carry your vision and carry those core beliefs into their daily work and then also the difference between carrying and casting you you want vision casters too and and that needs to happen at all levels as well so again I, I can't say enough, and, and I'll probably say this ad nauseum, so I apologize ahead of time, but these conversations have to happen from the very, very top to the very, very like solution-based output of your organization because if they're only happening, happening around a conference table in a boardroom, then you're – you know the the vision isn't ever going to happen because people aren't going to know what they have to do every single day in order to make that happen. So tactic two is really this idea of creating a, a culture that you have vision casters, and what that means to me in in terms of an educational entity. And, and I'll just use my own organization right now. So we have this leadership team that we've developed core beliefs and. We need to carry that throughout our day and as we interact with others. But then we also need our teachers, our custodians, our cafeteria workers, our crossing guards to be vision casters so that our community knows that we care about kids, they understand the why. And those are the things that you do every single day. So we have this kind of you do, we do, they do. And when I say you do, I mean you personally and what we do, what do we do collectively and they do. So when when our community, when our teachers, when our students see us doing these things every single day, then they just almost naturally start to carry the same kind of culture and vision that we have. So some of the things that um, we've encouraged our principals to do at this point, so Um, have been things like social sharing. So what are things that we can share across social media, across emails, across newsletters that show in some way, either pictures or stories or just little blurbs about what we do that really kind of inculcate the value and worth that we have in our core beliefs. So that that's social sharing. Um, the other thing that we encourage them to do, and um, I think is really important, and when you think about entrepreneurs, when you when you think about um, entrepreneurism and some things like um, network marketing, some of the things that they really push are these are these reach outs. So mm-hmm. every week we encourage our leadership team to reach out to five different people, and maybe that's just. Hey, did you were you able to have a conversation with kids about our core beliefs? Were you able to um, put one of those core beliefs in action? How do you think that your day today, like what did you do today that carried out the vision? Um, and and having those reach out. So we asked them to reach out to five people every week, and then the 
This next part is just as important as the reach outs and maybe even more important. But then the following week, they're still reaching out to five different people, but they're following up with three people that they reached out to last week. The hope of that is is, is that that starts to carry. And um, we, for the first time, and for as long as I've been with the district, uh, they have have implemented department chairs again. So now, like the first part of the year, that's what we did with our principals. Reach out to five different teachers every week, follow up the following week with three of those, and reach out to five more. Then the following week, you reach out to at least two of the folks that you didn't hit the, you know, the first week and reach out to, to two others. And now we've asked our department chairs to start doing the same thing. Reach out to, and, and they don't have as many folks in their department, so we want you to reach out to two department two of your department um, colleagues this week and then follow up next week. And then we've, we, how we want to shift that is then have teachers reach out to five students every week and then follow up with three. And maybe that at the elementary level, reaching out to five families, not just not students, for things other than – what that does is it starts to – it creates this culture – that only moves our vision forward because we're contacting parents for something other than a discipline issue or for something other than a kid failing a grade. And so those things matter. And we even we had a conversation with our CTC director about reaching out to kids who are doing some um, internships or some um, – some some job shadowing, like reach out to those folks about the experiences that they're having. So this this vision caster idea is almost like you're just asking your organization and you're you're building this culture within your organization that everybody is responsible to carry and cast your vision. Yeah, you know you know uh, uh, again lots lots to unpack here. A couple of points I wanted to kind of see what your thoughts are, but I think it's 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 inter- interesting in education that. You know, when we are teaching students, we teach them this idea about uh, doing big things in a pragmatic way, right? In other words, right. to, to build habit or to build skill or to build expertise, right? There's kind of levels there, habit, yeah, skill, expertise. Um, that, you know, we teach them. It's like you know, every day. Like we teach them things like you should journal. You should keep a log. You know, you, you want to do your homework every night. I mean, these, these are like basic principles about ed, of education like from my perspective, right? And then when we attempt to do big things in education at an organizational level, a school level, classroom level, or department level, we kind of throw that away. Right. We do. Right. Yeah, we, absolutely. Right. And we just think that, um, well, we're just going to talk about it once and we're just going to all like, you know, nod our heads and we're all going to be like, OK, let's, you know, let's just do that. And so we don't take the time to, to be pragmatic about it. We don't break it down into tactics like things like giving ourselves homework. Right. I'm, I'm going to give our, ourselves homework. So I love this idea about the, this, this being social about your, your, the big thing you're doing, right? The, the, who you are and why you're doing what you're doing and, and, and being pragmatic about it and saying, five of us are going to do this and then three of us are. You have, you have a beautiful system you outlined here, which is, is simple, yet the complexity of it is, is, is brilliant. So I, I think that's the, f- 
first thing. I, I you know, I, I don't know if that was a part of conversation you had when you started thinking about, you know, like how to like was this idea of being pragmatic about doing something big was that something that led you to come up with these tasks? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if that resonates. It it does, and and I'll tell you the. We, we chose very in, intentionally to start at the high school level because that's the hardest place for that to happen because our high school teachers tend to be so content-driven mm. instead of student-driven. You know, mm-hmm. they, if, if you ask a second-grade teacher what they, they teach, they're like, I teach second grade. I, I teach <laughs> students. And if you ask a high school physics teacher what they teach, they're like, I teach physics. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's what they do every day, all day. They teach physics. So one of the reasons to start there is because in order to make our vision really come to life and make these core beliefs come to life, we had to have them step aside from their content and from the layers of curriculum that they think they have to get to and start to really focus on kids and, mm-hmm. and the kids in front of them. I think we can translate that a little bit from the HBI standpoint is we can, we can teach our students. Um, HBI can teach their students how to put drywall up or they can teach students – what that means in terms of the structure of a home and, and what happens if you have this really unique blueprint. You know, what, you know, what does that mean when you're, when you're putting drywall up? Because you, you, can't, you can't put it up in those rectangular sheets anymore. So you have to come up with some way that it's going to be structurally sound and then it's, it's going to, you know, do all the things that it's supposed to do. And it's more than just a wall. You know, I, I think we talked about that a little bit before that. So, in order to kind of overcome those barriers of just the skills, just teaching kids skills or teaching them things, how to do things, or teaching them about content, I think we just have to really teach them about being a community of learners, um, being a community when they go out into the world of whatever whatever they decide to do. In HBI's case, be a community of, of home builders. You know, what does that mean? Um, and and how do I work with those that are already in the field and how do I build the field? How do I make the field more creative and more unique mm-hmm. yeah. um, and more sustainable? Right, yeah. And, and I love that kind of uh, to think about wrapping up the technique number two. Like I love when you said – you know, it's like like uh, an organization can have an amazing vision on paper, right? Right. But if you have no vision, like the evidence that your vision was inculcated and mattered, right? The 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 evidence of that is going to be at the in our case, the education entity is whoever your students are. If if they go out and they're the ones that are casting that vision out into the world and reflecting that. And you're hearing their stories and their lives. And again, maybe in the case of HBI, where you know we're really looking at this this entrepreneurial um, spirit benefiting all of the students, right? It's when all of those students cast that back to say that they that that they were, were they were building, they had the skills they needed from HBI, and they were being innovative. They were being creative. They were launching businesses. They, they were taking new ideas and concepts and creating new uh, products and services. And they were pushing 
that even as young as they are, they're pushing the industry forward and they're giving an industry hope that it didn't have before, right? All of those things to me, is that is that vision casting? I think it absolutely is vision casting. And then it also, it, it's a fantastic segue into tactic three. Um, but, but I'll share this example with you that relates to vision casting. So um, our chemistry teacher teaches, uh, we have two chemistry teachers, and this particular chemistry teacher teaches all the honors chem courses and the AP chem. So high-level, intense course, intense content in terms of the framework and the timeline that he has to get all that done. He has chosen through this process, he's, he happens to be the department chair as well, but he has chosen through this process that every Thursday, every single one of his classes writes a, every single one of the kids in every single one of his classes writes a thank you note to someone who has made a huge impact on their life. Has not, it may or may not have anything to do with chemistry, mm-hmm. but what that has done is he has high school juniors and seniors writing thank you notes to maybe a first grade teacher that made a difference in their life or to a Boy Scout leader or to, you know, someone in their neighborhood or something along those lines that people sometimes, well, people always mean more than content. But in this case, he's putting his content aside to have kids reach out And that certainly is doing two things from my perspective. One, it's casting a vision that we're trying to change the culture of our schools by really steeping the work that we do in these core beliefs that people matter. People matter more than the content. And then what it also does, and this kind of leads into tactic three, I don't want to move ahead too fast if you had other questions about tactic two, but this idea of relationship building. And what that means in educational organizations, what that means in other organizations, and how important it is to the success, not only of your organization, but of casting your vision. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Let's let's hear more. Okay. So tactic three. And this is the one that, to be honest, Mark, is the one that I really, really wrestled with because as important as I believe – developing and and really um, getting your hands dirty with your core beliefs. And as important as I believe vision casting is to the success of your organization, this relationship piece is super important. Um, but again, it's, it's kind of like this triangle and, and one doesn't exist without the other. So the the idea of relationships is not only like between teachers and students or between the admin team and their teachers or the department chair and, and their department, but from the perspective that I took is is really there's a relationship between the vision and the core beliefs of your organization and the, and the teachers so that there's a relationship. They have to interact and and do their own kind of wrestling with the vision and the core beliefs and what that means to their practice and and does their relationship with those two things change their practice and as they dive into those things a little bit and they become a little bit more intimate with the core beliefs does it change their practice and does it require a change in their practice 
Then there's this relationship between teachers and students, and that all feeds from that first relationship that I talked about. But not only the relationship of the teacher providing instruction to the student, but also providing a safe environment, providing a place where students feel like they can make mistakes, providing a place where students feel that they can grow and fail and grow and learn and and all those kind of things. Then finally, the, the third kind of bracket of relationship that I think exists and is important in that is the relationship that the students then have with the vision and the core beliefs. And so it's it's this big circle, and yet each of those relationships is so important in and of itself, but is required as a whole as well, if, if that makes sense. So yeah, it does. there's interaction and, and the casting, the, the vision casting and the core beliefs that teachers have to somehow interact with and have a relationship with. And and look, I, I'm not naive enough to think that every single teacher is going to be like that chem teacher and embrace it to the to the point where they're like, you know what, on Thursdays, I'm not going to teach chemistry. I'm going to teach you how to be a good human, <laughs> you know, and, and that's important, too. But at the same time, what what he is seeing and what he has reported back to the leadership team is he is further along in his content than he ever has been at, at this point of the year because his his he has established this culture in his classroom that kids are are motivated and they're you know intrinsically motivated yeah so yeah this, <coughs> sorry this, this scratchy threat there's water right there for oh, you thanks yeah so um we're doing a lot of talking here uh, so I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the the teachers. So I'm going to talk about a thing called you know it's funny you just coughed right now. So thank you for that segue uh, into what I call scratchiness, right? And I call this scratchiness about this relationship that we as educate educators right have with these big things that we're going to do. And oftentimes, right, you can almost tell an organization that is just kind of floating by because there's not much scratchiness going on. Right, and what I mean by that, there's aren't a lot of opportunities for us as educators to start thinking about our relationship to those core beliefs that we're working on, or those new things, or, the, or those big ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think this is kind of where it starts. And and I, um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think, but like I think the relationship that uh, the teachers have with students is important. We can talk about that uh, a little bit. But I, I and, and I think the students to to the the, uh, the those core beliefs and the vision important. But but I do think that um, because we're like the professionals in charge, so to speak, you know, of a school, it, as educators, if if we are not having those scratchy moments, that, and I, I call them that, because those moments where you're wrestling with your relationship to whatever this big thing is. And and um, and it doesn't create a little bit of scratchiness for some. I, for some people, like big ideas and big new things and big new vision, people. Some people just embrace it and like it's a candy, right? Oh, right. You know, some of them mm-hmm. are like, oh my gosh, I want this, I want this, I want this. But the reality is, is like, uh, I don't. We don't want a team that just is all like that, and um, and we won't have it. You know, we won't have an organization that's like that. We're going to have some folks who are like, yeah, this is scratching a little bit against my grain. 
right? Right. You know, I, I don't know if I think this. I don't know if I believe this. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how I think and, 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 you know, a lot of people say feel. I think you and I have had a lot of conversations. I don't know how I feel about something. We, we know that that's not necessarily the right conversation anyway. That's another, that's another podcast. That's a whole other podcast. That, that really is, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, so I think what, I, what I'm hearing from you is like, you know, it's okay. Like embrace those scratchy moments. Because those are going to be the moments when you really wrestle with yourself and your relationship to those big things you're trying to do, that that new vision, that new mission, the new initiative, whatever that may be, and then have open conversations with others, right? I know we didn't get to this point, but like, don't wrestle with it on your own, right? Well, and and I think that is a just a, a profound statement in and of itself. Because and it takes me back to oh my gosh, I I honestly have not thought about this since I can't even tell you when. But back in your or in our underground undergrad days, when we talked about Vygotsky and the zone of proximal proximal development, like so, that real learning can't occur unless we're pushed beyond, like into that scratchy zone, into that point that is beyond our comfort zone. That's where the real learning takes place. And I think sometimes, um, and and you and I have both been involved uh, with organizations that this happens. So. We always say well, when we're talking about systems thinking, we 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 simplify that complex idea of systems thinking by saying, "Look, it, it's really okay because we, we're just going to have some simple rules. Mm, we're yeah. going to have simple rules, and those are those are actions that we repeatedly do to to bring about our vision." And I think sometimes the way that that gets translated is I'm going to continue to do things the way that I've always done because that's my simple rule. My simple rule is that these are the actions that I repeatedly perform in order to bring about the vision. But there's a there's a um, a disconnect there because it's really easy for us to fall into not really the simple rules, but the things that we've always done. So how many times when you're talking to educators, have you heard them say, well, the way that we've always done it, or Mm -hmm. historically we have, and it's just, we've we've often joked, um, sadly, about, you know, the teacher who has uh, been in education for 30 years, and they have one year of experience that they repeated 29 times. (laughs) And... um, you know, I I really think that that it's important for organizations to not only embrace those that scratchy those that's that area that's really scratchy and uncomfortable, but to provide really strong supports to get people through that. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. So, um, in the essence of time, I also want to talk about. Um, Emergent properties, and so you mentioned the chemistry teacher, and came back and said, uh, "You know, I, I have these moments where I'm not teaching chemistry. I would argue that he is right, um, right, right. Um, and what he's saying is, I'm connecting with my students in a different way and allowing them. To, well, let's use the phrase, right? He's he's having a, a different relationship with the students. <clears throat> he's creating a a, re, a different relationship or a unique relationship uh, between his students and his class. He is." creating a, a unique relationship between his class and another topic. He's And through that, he's creating a, a different relationship, a, a unique relationship between his students and uh, either, you know, someone else, right? And so you have a multitude of this relationship building that is happening 
simply because your the chemistry teacher has decided that he's that that it's a he correct you said yes yeah, yeah. that he is going to take this moment and then ironically there's an emergent property and that emergent property as you said was what the 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 the, the kids are doing better right absolutely and yeah. and you know he was in my office and he was telling me this and he he's like I, I just it's really not about the content it you know it, it's a it's about this relationship and it's about you know all these all these other pieces that he looks at them as more than just students in his chemistry class, but as people, like at these young people sitting in front of him. And what was interesting in, in the conversation that he was having with me, what emerged from that conversation was about after around the second or third week that he had done that, he had had a conversation with them and said, look, we're not, we're not going to write a thank you note this week, but what I want us to do is I want you to to think about how this class is going for you and what you really, really like about it, what you don't like about it, what's working for you, what's not working for you, what's working in my delivery of instruction and delivery of the content, and what's not working. Like what, what's the Velcro? Like what, what makes it stick and what isn't making any sense? And so I, I said to him as he's walking through this, I'm like, so do you understand that it's really not, I mean, it's, it's about that, but they felt like they were safe enough to say, you know, you know, you're great, and I really like when we do this, but I don't like when you do this. And they felt like it was a safe environment to say that to you. And ironically, by them providing that feedback to you, you stop doing A. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? Like, so there was this interaction and conversation. And it wasn't necessarily the same thing across seven periods. So here's this person who's who's used to delivering his content in a certain way, stepping out into that scratchy zone, into that zone that's beyond his comfort level, and saying to students, I mean, I mean, saying to these people who are, you know, by all intent and purpose untrained in terms of pedagogy and and all those things that we think matter, saying to him, I I really don't like the framework we use for notes. It it doesn't really help me. It it confuses me more than it than it, you know, provides me with a support system. And then collaborating with them to create a different system and making a difference. So that they realized that not only was it safe to be critical and to critique his practice, but there was also results in that. And what does that look like in other places? Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So um, what, what I also wanted to do was um, uh, pause for a minute and talk about this, this idea of, let's tie this back to HBI. Okay. Right. Yep. Because it makes me think about, you know, um, so to be very tactical here, I think this is a prime spot to do something very tactical. Like we, we've been, we, the HBI uh, Academy that we're working with, like they, we learned about systems thinking and we, we have an exercise where we take a, you mentioned drywall building, right? They have a training station on, uh, that they use to help uh, demonstrate and have students demonstrate how to successfully build a drywall wall, right? And uh, we deconstructed that in a way to say, okay, so in this training station, let's look for these moments to get students thinking. 
And so how do we do that, right? So thinking is, and you know this as well, Corey, definition, DSRP, right? right? And so you know, this is that pragmatic thing, right? It's not that you do all the, always do D first and then S first, right? You know, it's like, so how can you bring distinction making into that activity? How do you bring systems recognition into it, uh, et cetera, relationship building and perspective taking? How do you build, put that into that activity? You still need to teach them right, the skills uh, to build that wall. But now what is the opportunity to bring in, right, this these uh, thinking into that structure, uh, the literal structure that they're building? And and so I think the, the example you just set was, you know, it would be easy for us to say, it's like, well, I just um, – you know, I I I I I tried I I tried to do it with everything, right? I'm going to kind of go to an extreme here. It's kind of like, oh, I you know, I have to do it every every sentence out of my mouth has to be something DSRP, right? Right. Right. And 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 that's not what we're saying. No. Right. And and the other thing is can be is like you know, starting off, it could be as simple as being cognizant about just taking that opportunity once per class, or you know what, if you're really struggling with this and it's really scratchy. Uh, creating a relationship between another colleague that has really seemed to adopt this uh, this idea and and seems to be really good at it, like have them come in and observe you purposely uh, and help you once a week. Right. I mean, what would it look like if if we partnered with or brought in um, someone who's in the field now and say to them, "Hey, next week I'd really like you to come to my drywall station." And I want you to provide my students with the most complex problem that that you have had doing you know, that you've encountered in in building homes, and let's let them like almost this inquiry based setup. Let's let them try to solve it, and we may stop them periodically and and provide them with some support or or with some guidance, but. What does that look like? Like, what does that look like if, if, um, not only you did that, like it, maybe one week it's, you know, give us your, your most complicated situation that you had to install drywall and it wasn't your typical, you know, four wall kind of setup. And then maybe the next week, what about someone who, um, cleans up from like someone who had a flooded basement? Like, wh- what happens when you have to, to tear out part of dry, you know, part of a, a wall and not all of it. And and how do you test those things? Like, what does it look like to partner with and build relationships with experts in the field and, and put these problems in front of your, you know, the students so that it's, it's not, because not everything's cookie cutter. Right. And, yeah. and we can teach anybody the skill of hanging drywall. But can we teach them to think through a complicated or a complex issue or or a, a blueprint that just doesn't look like everybody else's house? And what does that do for them when they're on their own um, and marketing as someone who does some really unique and creative, you know, houses and homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I I think you just hit on something really important. I think the other um 
the other way to kind of you know wrap this up is um, you know when when we're looking at relationship building, right? There are, are ways that we can create relationships, you know, with external people, uh, internal people. We can take as a tactic, right? Teachers to teachers can right. build new relationships, and um, and then just this idea of you know building a new relationship with this with this uh, big idea or purpose, right, that we have behind, um, again, we mentioned it can be kind of scratchy. And so get get folks that you trust, right? Um, and, you know, if, if you're feeling like you just really want to push back, right, if you just feel like you just, I, I just don't understand this, I don't think there's value in it, then I think that's that's our educational challenge. I think you know you and I both have worked uh, in situations where you know, we've had people come in and talk to us and just say, I, I, I just don't agree. Right. Right. I, I just right. I don't agree. I don't think this is this is a solution. And as difficult as that conversation, those conversations always are. And uh, as 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 maybe uh, as as kind of we we don't want to have those conversations. They, they are important conversations to have. Um, they absolutely are. Right. Yes. And so that's where we continue to build that relationship with the expectation that it's like, well, you know, we we need to move this forward. How can we collectively move this forward and and come up with uh, a new relationship? You know, building a new relationship that an individual educator, uh, educational leader, uh, has with a, a specific big idea, and building a new way of of seeing it. Right. And I think that's that's the thing. It's like we're not we're not trying to talk people into something. We're trying to help them see it from a lot of different perspectives. And most likely, and I think you and I would agree, most likely in all the cases of difficult individuals, you hit on a perspective that hadn't been considered and it's a light bulb moment for that person. Absolutely. Right. Um, So, well, we are at 53 minutes and uh, we're at 53 minutes of our 30-minute podcast. Uh, and so, um, and we could make it probably even longer because we could talk about this stuff for so long. But, we we could. Yeah. So, uh, so just to uh, wrap us up, and then I think we'll just do a close out. The three tactics: core beliefs, core beliefs, building those vision casters and carriers, and relationship building. Relationship and so, um, Corey, I can't thank you enough. This has been fantastic. Uh, you do big things all the time. And um, I think this is just the beginning. I would love to be able to share more to the HBI team. Uh, I hope this was uh, something that you find valuable and it helps you do the big things that we're trying to do. And so with that, Corey, final thought? Um, I I would really just say that, you know, like we talked about a lot Obviously, 53 minutes worth of and, – and like I said, we could talk on and on and on, I'm sure. I think what's important is it, if you just pick one thing that we talked about, I mean, as as important as I think those three tactics are, if you choose one right now to kind of focus and um, and, and just – you know, practice that for a while and and see how it fits with with what your your daily ritual is, or your daily routine is. I think that in and of itself handles the other two. Yeah, excellent. All right, uh, thank you so much, HBI team. You are a great team. I thoroughly enjoy working with you. Again, I hope this podcast uh, episode uh, helps you and uh, the entire team. I look forward to talking to you again soon. So with that, have a wonderful day, evening, morning, wherever, whenever you are listening to this. And thank you so much for the work you do for the building industry and most important for the kids. 